Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Also just, uh, Barbara. (laughs) (laughs) I got to give my mom my recording schedule. She without fail always calls when I'm recording a podcast. What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I am here joined, as always, by my trusted co-host, the peaceful chokehold to the <laughs> neck of Carl Anthony Towns, Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going? Listen, I just don't want people to fight, so then I choke them out. <laughs> you just got to keep the peace. That's the Philly pacifier, man. For anyone confused, there was a fight that broke out, started between Carl Anthony Towns of the Minnesota Timberwolves and Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers. Both teams got involved, and Ben Simmons, who was friends with Carl Anthony Towns, calmed him down by putting him in, like, a chokehold, sleeper hold. I'm sure Hal could tell us exactly what maneuver it was, but when the Sixers were trying to make sure that some of their players weren't getting fined and suspended, they said that Ben Simmons was a peacemaker. And uh, It worked, because he didn't get suspended, (laughs) so Adam Silver was like, oh, nice armbar bruv so before we get into some more wildness that is the nba season even though we're only like eight games in we gotta get suns baby (laughs) we gotta take a little break and get ourselves prepared and we're gonna do that in the teal memorial locker room teal's still kicking it the fact that you said it differently now makes me suspicious of you I don't know what you're talking about. She's been tweeting, but now I think that you've set up a scheme. Like, you just have control over her. She made a cross-stitch of the logo. She's doing wonderful. But maybe you learned how to cross-stitch because I haven't seen a photo of Teal. I think you killed Teal. I'm still suspicious of you. (laughs) This is a true crime podcast. Halloween was last week. Get over it. So we... (laughs) Crime still continue, Mike. (laughs) You know what else continues? The support of our patrons. Oh we have God. new patrons. Welcome to the team. So shout out to Basile Chevalier Kundrain, who, if this is French, I'm going to say Basile Chevalier Kundrain. And if it's not. And if it's not. You got that. That uh-huh. was cool. Apologies. And also to a new patron who made their name Harry Potter went to Arizona State. <laughs> That's a real good joke. <laughs> we also have some updates. Producer level patron Jordan Wood has changed his producer level name to Shooby Dooby Doo. And <laughs> Carolyn Keel has upgraded to the producer level status. Also, we have a new producer level patron named after the title of our last episode Godzilla Got Busy. He did get busy. And these two new producer level patrons join our existing team of Brian Wingate, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, Akano, Cody Powell, Salvatore Testo, Trust the Process, Samantha Rose, Polly Burge. I worked with Eric's dad. Shooby-dooby-doo, I am Adam Silver and Bilal Johnson. We're all getting busy with Patreon. We are. And speaking of these names, I followed up with Cindy, who made her name I worked with Eric's dad. I thought this was a joke about her working with Adam Silver. She worked with your real dad, Scott Silver. Yeah, she, she gave me a message like a while ago. I'm like, yeah, my dad works with younger people. It happens. Yeah, <laughs> bonkers so she has left the job before starting listening to horse so she couldn't talk to him about it but yeah worked with scott 
Scott's busy doing a lot of things. He's empowering the interns at his job. He's cheering on the Celtics, who are doing very well. Gordon Hayward decided to play basketball. Thank God. And uh, we're it's, it's all going well. But other things are going well for us. We have two sponsors for this episode. The first sponsor is my bookie. The sports are going on. And if you want a surefire bet, clearly you can bet against the Knicks. And if you want to make some money on our despair, you can use my bookie. <laughs> Mike, where can I go if I want to make money on your despair? You can go to mybookie.ag. You can bet on the NBA. You can also bet on the NCAA, which just started. It's that week of the NCAA where big schools play schools that don't sound like they should exist, like <laughs> Columbia Christian Academy or Iridescence University, stuff that just doesn't seem like it's real. So if you want some surefire bets, you can do that at mybookie.ag. And as a horse listener, you can use the promo code HORSE at checkout, and you'll get a little bit of a bonus. You'll get your cash doubled by my bookie. That's twice as much as I had before, Mike. That is twice as much. So if you want to go bet, it's the perfect time to do it with the NBA in full swing and the NCAA just kicking out. Again, mybookie.ag and use the promo code HORSE. You play, you win, you get paid. And I get sad because the Knicks refuse to win. (laughs) We all get paid in our own ways. Some with money and some with sadness. Woo! Our second sponsor is Wix. If you want to make a website about how sad you are at how bad the Knicks are, or how sorry you are to Gordon Hayward for saying such mean things about him, and now he's playing very good basketball, you can do that with Wix. And it's very easy to do so. They have tons of templates, over 400 in fact. They're incredibly easy to work with. We use Wix for the horse site. I use Wix for my personal website, as well as Potterless's site. It's super easy to create. It's really easy to maintain. You can do fun things with links and effects and pictures and videos and it's really intuitive. I've never taken a web design course at all, and I think all of our sites look very pretty. Thanks, Wix. I would like to make a website for the rest of the Celtics who are not Gordon Hayward, Mm -hmm. so that maybe Brad Stevens can be like, oh, that guy is also on our team. I'm going to put him in except for Gordon Hayward. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this is Marcus Smart. Do you know him? Have you heard of him? So if you want to make a website with Wix, you can start with a free account, and there's no deadline on the trial, which is nice, and then when you want to upgrade and get those premium features, like a custom domain name or emails or all sorts of stuff like that. As a horse listener, you can get 10% off. If you go to horsehoops.com slash Wix and click the link, you will get 10% off your upgrade to Wix Premium. So go to horsehoops.com slash Wix, click the link, make a website with Wix, talk about your love of your favorite players or your lament over your favorite team's failures with Wix today. And Eric, before we get into the full court press section of this episode, we have exciting things about Multitude to talk about. Two super exciting things. First, on November 21st, which is coming up very soon, Horse will be opening live for Potterless. Just a great show. That guy's so nice. I'm so thankful that he had us out for the show, invited us, just like really selfless on his part. Oh, you're talking about yourself. No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Mike Schubert, the host of Potterless. Oh, yeah. I'm right. Mike Schubert, the host of Horse. Oh, I forgot that you guys were totally different people. <laughs> but yes, we've decided what we're going to be doing. It's going to be a Houston-centered three-on-three. Eric will be preparing three things. I will be preparing three things. We are not going to tell the other what they are about. And we'll get to surprise each other with fun things about Houston. So, Houston, if you have stuff about animals playing basketball, please send them to me now. <laughs> Just DM me personally. Don't tell Mike. Just things animals playing basketball is my shit that I talk about during live shows and if you've heard us talk about this live show and you're thinking that you want to show love for a horse maybe you can't go to the show maybe you don't live near houston but you still want to rep horse proudly how are you going to do that 
you're gonna get a new shirt because we've got new merch baby it's not even new we have merch yes <laughs> we true. have blank just well, merch we had merch but patron exclusive merch now uh, we've got stuff for the masses everyone can get merch everybody can get it at multitude.production slash merch you can get a sub nerds it's basketball shirt it is gorgeous it's a charcoal with some charcoal gray sleeves it's varsity shirt because mm-hmm. we all play sports we, on the sports podcast we all do and everyone wants to catch a shirt at a game now you can catch a shirt from your mail person and order one and get it delivered and be like, I caught this from the, be- the internet. At the beginning of the horse show, I want to just be like, and we can do that. We can throw a t-shirt out into the crowd. We can. We will have the t-shirts there for purchase. But yes, Multitude released new merch for every single show. Every show's got new stuff from pins to beanies to posters to shirts. Check all of that out at multitude.production slash merch. And if you want to go to that Houston live show, see us in the flesh, you can head on over to multitude.production slash live and get tickets. They are almost sold out. So if you are on the fence about going, go. If you live in a nearby Texas city and you're like, I don't know if I want to drive, drive. It's not that far. Download a couple episodes of Horse to make the drive better and then come through. It'll be super fun. I'm going to be in Texas and I'm going to be rowdy and I'm going to wear a Texas hat. And by Texas hat, I'm in cowboy hat. <laughs> it's one of the same. And I'm going to be have eaten so well. Come to support me while I'm in Texas. Like, whatever horse, that guy, Mike Schubert from Potterless, whatever. Support me in my food times, please. I would also like it if you came. <laughs> <laughs> Unrelated, Mike would also like it if you were there for him. <laughs> but yes, Productions slash live. And that wraps up the locker room. We're ready to go. We're dressed. We've got our snap pants on. And we can go into the first segment, which we like to call Full Core Press. Get it? Like the news? Yes. I got oh, it. That's really nice. Well, I just didn't have a joke for this one. <laughs> yeah. so I'm like, yes, I comprehend it. Yes. <laughs> So we already talked a little bit about the fight between Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid. It was very silly. It was very rowdy. I did really appreciate that it was on the same day as Game 7 of the World Series. Basketball just had to upstage baseball in the most important game of the year, which was very fun. I truly did not remember that the World Series was on because my whole timeline was just like, oh, did you see all of these ridiculous things that happened because of the fight? And I'm like, oh, baseball must be done by now. It's October. That doesn't happen then. What made it especially silly is that leading up to the game a lot of reporters asked Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns about the beef that has been created between the two of them and both of them tried to downplay it Carl Anthony Towns went as far as to say that he wasn't going to talk about it because he's not out here to sell papers that's your <laughs> job which papers but then the two of them Carl got Anthony, a big old fight Carl Anthony Towns definitely has like a Wall Street Journal subscription he's like yeah man I, my high school English teacher told me that you gotta have a newspaper subscription so I do my two favorite things about the fight. One was, I don't know if you saw Andrew Wiggins as he was coming up the court. His but very he, late jog. Yeah, he was just like, oh, no, my friend, he's getting hurt. My, oh, my favorite part of the fight was after the fight happened and they do the thing where the referees are trying to figure out who should get different flagrant fouls and all kind of stuff like that. They were showing it on the Jumbotron and Mike Scott, who we've talked about at length on the show, is standing behind Joel Embiid and you can see in the camera shot, Mike Scott looking at the camera and then nodding along like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put a link to that on horsehoops.com at the episode page, but yeah. 
<laughs> Mike Scott just continues to be perfect. My other favorite part, which goes along with our tradition of talking about everyone's parents all of the time. Uh, of course. Uh, while Kyra Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid got ejected for fighting, saw them go down into the tunnel, especially Joel Embiid doing his best, like, wrestler heel. He was doing the Rocky punching because Philadelphia, which was very uh, good. But the best part was that the camera did, like, a wide shot of the tunnel, mm-hmm. and Carl Anthony Towns' mom was, like, leaning over the tunnel and just flipping the bird at Joel Embiid and screaming at him. Like, yeah, my mom would do the same thing, 100%. It was great. It was fantastic. And the fight didn't stop there. There were Instagram posts back and forth. Mainly Joel Embiid in the post-game press conference said, first of all, I ain't no bitch. <laughs> Just a wonderful, wonderful interaction. That is a way to start. First of all, thank you for <laughs> letting us know what we're going to experience here. Topic sentence. I ain't no bitch. I just, I really enjoyed it as if it was like a court proceeding. Just uh, let the record show that I ain't no bitch. Uh, can the stenographer <laughs> read back what Joel Embiid Mr. Embiid said, I am no bitch. So aside from that. Something interesting that's been going on in the NBA of late is suspensions for performance-enhancing drugs, which usually is just a baseball thing. What is this, baseball in 1997? (laughs) What is this, Mark McGuire? So it started in this offseason with Wilson Chandler getting suspended for 25 games for getting caught using performance-enhancing drugs. But that was a little more common because it happened over the offseason. Usually there's some more testing that happens during the offseason. But so far we've had two players get 25-game suspensions for PED-related issues. The first of which was DeAndre Ayton, the star center on the Phoenix Suns. He got it for using a diuretic. He didn't actually test positive for a PED, but he did test positive for something that is supposed to flush out the evidence of PED right. from your bowels. He's a, It's a mask for the PEDs. Right. So he got the 25-game ban, and very recently, John Collins, another big man but from the Atlanta Hawks, he got suspended for 25 games, but they actually found traces of performance-enhancing drugs in his urine Mm. so it's interesting we'll have to see if this becomes a trend during this season whether or not they're just cracking down hard or if it just happens to be that dudes are messing up but traditionally it was well known for the players when these tests were happening they could prepare for the tests and then get around it it was kind of like peds were just all right in, in basketball nobody really paid it too much mind it's a little different than baseball where the whole thing is you just want to swing a bat hard and hit a ball you could have super strong muscles in basketball and that's not necessarily going to help you that much a basketball doesn't weigh that much i think what's interesting about this is that both of these guys are super young uh, john mm-hmm. collins got drafted in 2017 he's 22 which is also a warning to us not to make fun of them we didn't make fun of and him DeAndre, we just stated the facts <laughs> and deandre Aiden was the number one pick in the 2018 draft and he's only 21 so it's also interesting that these guys are super young they're trying to like i guess curtail this early i mean wilson chandler is like 32 right and he's also like kind of a journeyman but these guys are like future NBA stars. So I wonder if the NBA is like, oh, we can't do anything about these guys that have it's happened before. And I mean, the NBA has gotten stronger, faster, bigger. It's interesting that a bunch of these guys who are sprinting for an hour 82 times a year are looking as huge and as bulked up as they are. So it's like, I don't know why they look that big and have those big muscles, but maybe they're like, oh, the the veterans are doing it, but now we got to get the young guys to make sure that they're not doing this stuff. Right. And also what I think it could be is the NBA trying to send a message towards the youth. I know that the NBA is very conscious of how the youth movement coming up, going into the league, perceives the league, perceives its favorite players, perceives how players are treated and stuff like that. And this could be them 
especially with these guys being so young, trying to send a message like, hey, if you are in college or if you're an AAU star in high school and you're thinking about using some sort of substances to help out, we're not going to tolerate this. Mm-hmm. And I think if that is an intent, that's really nice because AAU basketball has become is so bonkers. You're having all these things where kids are getting injured way too early because they're just playing basketball, nothing else all the time, which is yeah. very hard on specific joints. And you really only strengthen certain muscles. So you're a worse overall athlete if you're only playing basketball and nothing else. Right. Because not... all you're doing is running and jumping. Yes, exactly. And you're not necessarily getting the full body workout that a natural human would get so that's why you're seeing a lot of these younger kids get these injuries that older players usually get whether it's an acl tear or michael porter jr's back stuff and all these other things like that i'm not saying anything about zion williamson and like whether or not he does pds or not because i'm sure he doesn't because he's just a large man i think it's just his body type but i think it's interesting to look at someone like zion who is built the way that he is he's a giant dude who can move as fast as possible and what is the new body type of an nba superstar in the 2020s mm-hmm. and then we need to see like how are we going to protect them because zion hasn't been able to play since the preseason mm-hmm. um and what he represents is a very big deal you look at the star players in the league now and it's just these aliens yeah. like Giannis. what kind of proportions is that human anthony davis if that player was around 20 years ago people would be so confused just the giant wingspans and all of this stuff and finding people like Joel Embiid never played basketball until he was 14 and someone was just in Cameroon and saw this dude playing soccer and they were like you gotta play basketball my dude so it's interesting to see how that will shape out I yesterday was getting my tuxedo for my wedding fitted and I found out and Joel Embiid was there I wish I found out that my arms I already knew this but now it was confirmed by a tailor my wingspan is a little shorter for my body I have a really long torso which is not necessarily desirable uh especially in the NBA. They wouldn't be like, oh man, the torso span on Mike Schubert makes him an elite athlete. Whereas for the basketball, it's like, oh my God, his fingers scraped the ground. He's perfect. That's like Kevin Durant in a nutshell. It's like Kevin Durant's arms are very long Mm -hmm. and that's why he's extremely good at basketball. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to see how the PED stuff shakes out. It is very interesting. It seems as if the NBA is cracking down. This is not something they've done in recent years. So we'll have to see if this is really a epidemic or if it just happens to be three cases caught early on. But... That's a little interesting thing, and that's full court press. Oh, like the news. Like the news, because this it. was news. It is news. So, Eric, our final segment of this episode is going to be an interview with comedian slash basketball enthusiast Ted Alexandro talking about how he influences his comedy with sports and, like we do, tries to toe the line between funny niche jokes but not too complex or people don't know what's going on. Before we get into that, though... We have a three-on-three draft to take care of. Aw, yeah. One, two, three. Three, two, one. Three-on-three. So I guess maybe talking about large men who dunk all the time has been inspiring me for this, but I really wanted to do a draft about times in basketball where the equipment has failed the players. Was this inspired by what happened last week with the Celine Dion concert? No. No. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Last week, I don't know how, but somehow there was a Celine Dion concert before a Minnesota Timberwolves game, and it ruined the basket and the backup basket, so the game was delayed by 45 minutes because of Celine Dion. Yeah, because she was dunking too hard. (laughs) She was dunking from near. Oh, my God. Over Kareem (laughs) Abdul-Jabbar. 
Man, Mike, this joke will go on. Thank you. <laughs> no, I don't want to say what it is, but it is someone we've been talking about a horse a lot, and I figured that this would be an opportunity to talk about this man again. Oh. So I'm sure the, that I know. The person who's famous for breaking backboards? Yes, perhaps. exactly. But I wanted to go a little bit outside of breaking backboards, so anytime equipment has been bad in the NBA or in basketball at large, backboards, basketballs, the court, the cameras, anything is up for grabs. Cool. I love it. So we're going to classic rock, paper, scissors? Yeah, uh, so I've won every single rock, paper, scissors, haven't I? If you define winning as wanting to go first, yes. So yeah, I have one, okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Yeah, got him, baby! <laughs> Just biding my time. <laughs> Mike, you've lost every single one so far. Biding my time. I'm going to go with something that I just wanted to share to get out of the way. Ordinarily, we don't talk about college basketball in here, but I would like to talk about college basketball in the fact that things are totally ridiculous there, and there's just no accountability for anything. Mm -hmm. So my number one pick in the basketball equipment failing players draft is, did you know that the University of Illinois Illini played seven and a half minutes of an NCAA game with a women's ball. Oh, that's rough. How do you not have a ball? <laughs> You're a gym. <laughs> that's the, that of all the equipment that you could have named that went wrong, ball would have been dead last. How do you not have a ball? So here's what happened. So this happened back in December, 2010. The Illini were playing Oakland. The University of Illini were ranked 16th at that time. They were a much better University of Oakland not doing that great. And in the first half, they just could not shoot at all. A lot of people were yelling at the student. This is why we don't talk about college basketball because it sucks. People were yelling at them. They were just like, come on, guys, wake up. And their coach, Bruce Weber, was just like, guys, you guys better find some energy. After seven and a half minutes, uh, the referee stopped the game and looked at the ball. And he's like, oh, guys, this ball is, is smaller than usual. <laughs> It took that long? It took seven and a half it, minutes. It, it would take me seven and a half seconds to find out that the ball was too small. The women's ball is an inch and a half smaller by circumference, and that doesn't sound like a lot, but you can feel it very easily. Well, here's the thing, is that the players got it. They were shooting it like, this doesn't make any sense. And the players said something right away. Okay. Coach Weber said that our kid said something right away, but he thought that his team was making excuses. He said, oh my you God. guys are just missing shots. Shut up and play. Also, here's what's bonkers every ball says the dimensions on it on the ball you can just go to the ref and be like hello sir see this thing that says 28.5 this is too small it's supposed to be 30 inches no one believed the players because no one believes uh college students in the ncaa oh so it turns out that the game that had been played in the arena right before this was a women's game they ended up grabbing a ball from the rack of women's balls and that's what they were using but my favorite thing about this is that just like you said no one believed the players the was like hey we're shooting badly we can't dribble hey coach will you look into this he's like no shut up and play <laughs> you're just making excuses Gosh. i'm the adult and i think you're making excuses Ugh. so that was my first pick amazing so my first pick is one that is incredibly infamous and i have always found this one very interesting and always have wondered if it was sinister in 2014, in game one of the NBA Finals in San Antonio, the air conditioning in the building just stopped working, and LeBron James got cramps and had to leave the game early, and then the Heat lost the game. Oh, yes. This is a great game. Game one of the 2014 NBA Finals, there was a lot of build up the heat and the spurs were matching up again the year prior the heat had won the finals in dramatic fashion after the iconic game tying three-pointer from ray allen all of this build up 
And the first game was just bonkers. So very quickly into the game, the air conditioning in the AT&T Center in San Antonio, Texas, stopped working. Doris Burke, who was on the call, kept reporting what the temperature <laughs> was during the game. And at one point, it exceeded 90 degrees. Now, Mike, listen, I'm just a country boy who grew up in uh, New York. Is Texas hot in the summer? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just checking. Let me tell you, more than 90. 90 <laughs> is a brisk winter day in June in Texas. But I can't even imagine sitting in a room that's 90 degrees. Oh, that's, absolutely not. That's a sauna. And now not only are the fans sitting in this arena sweating, but you've got players trying to play professional basketball in a 90-degree building. That's rough. Absolutely rough. So it was a tight game back and forth. Everyone was dehydrated. Everyone was complaining about it. But the person that was affected most was LeBron James. And LeBron had had some cramp problems in his career beforehand. And people used to make fun of him for it, which is... <laughs> sports is the worst. Well, just ignorant sports fans would think that cramps are a sign of weakness or something. Have you looked at LeBron? He could probably bench 12,000. And you're going to say, oh, he got cramps. So bonkers. It eventually got to a point with three minutes and 59 seconds left in the game. The Heat were down 94-92. And LeBron, who had already asked multiple times to sub out, and he was doing all the remedies to try to fight cramps. Mm -hmm. He was chugging Gatorade. He was chugging water. At halftime, he was having salt pills because that's supposed oh, to help. Yeah. He drank pickle juice. He did Pickle everything. juice is real, though. Mm -hmm. Hangover cure number one, baby. Pickle <laughs> juice. Pickle juice, egg and cheese. He did so many things to try to combat it. And then eventually, with about four minutes left, just threw in the towel. And then the Spurs went on a 16-3 to run to end the game, and they ended up winning that game and the entire series. Now, we have we confirmed that Tim Duncan did not sneak up there, break the air conditioning, and then come back and was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Uh, I mean, you would think that the Spurs are more adept to playing in the heat because they're the San Antonio team. <laughs> yeah, Pop was a CIA agent. He'll just get in there, <laughs> take out the air conditioning, and then just come back. If it was intentional, that would be the greatest thing in the world but i think it was just the system went down this is also the arena where bats fly in pretty regularly oh you mean with manu ginobili <laughs> vampire hunter yes so i wouldn't put it past the at&t center to just have a faulty air conditioning system but yeah it's my first pick for faulty equipment that's very good i like that one i'm gonna talk about the first person to ever shatter an nba backboard was it shaquille o'neal or not it was not shaquille oh. o'neal actually it happened a very very long time ago his name was chuck connors uh he was also known as the rifleman uh, because, you know, he shot basketballs. Mm -hmm. He was the starting guard of the Boston Celtics. Before the first home game of the 1946 season, Chuck Connors was just taking shots. He was he was warming up. He puts up a two-handed shot, so he's just, like, easing it up there. It catches the front of the rim, and the backboard crumbles. Just it explodes. <laughs> Seems like it was the backboard's fault, but if I was on the other team, I would have made fun of him, saying, oh, man, that brick was so bad you broke the backboard, my dude. Well, no, Mike, you're in 1946, so oh. it's all in sepia tone. Ah, chap, that <laughs> shot attempt was so tomfoolery-ish that you broke the backboard, Shane. Can I have that brick? I need it to build a house, because it's the Depression. How am I supposed to Charleston across the court with all this broken glass on the ground? <laughs> So what had happened was that it's 1946, so there's just no regulations, and a worker hadn't installed a piece of protective rubber between the rim and the backboard, which keeps the backboard mm. from not shattering. 
the game against the Chicago Stags, which is another great name for a team. Pretty good. Let's bring the Stags back. Delayed an hour while a truck had to drive through Boston to get a new blackboard and then come back. But don't worry, a rodeo was playing to keep people entertained for an hour. Amazing. I want to know what kind of acts were at the rodeo. I like how subtle this is because it's just like, it's nobody's fault. Well, except for the guy who fucked up. But it's just like, it's <laughs> not the player's fault. It's like, I was just taking shots. I'm not trying to dunk super hard. I'm not like eight feet tall. My name's Chuck. Some friends call me the rifleman. Not my fault. Pretty good that it happened to the rifleman. That would make sense. And then he took out a gun. And That's shot how the he actually. Part. That's what happened. No one noticed, but he shot the ball and then very quickly took a gun out of his sock and <laughs> <laughs> he took out a six shooter and went, he was also a cowboy. There was a horse and a cow on the court. There were a lot of things happening in the Boston Garden in 1946. 1946, baby. What a wild time. What a time. Good year. Well, my second pick is one that happened to my beloved New York Knicks, and they framed it as intentional, but I think it wasn't. Oh, God. So in 2017, the Knicks made an announcement on the Jumbotron before the game started that they were doing an experiment to let fans, quote, experience the game in its purest form. This feels bad already. <laughs> to let them enjoy the sounds of the game. So what they did was, just for the first half of this game against the Warriors, is that they didn't play any music or video or any sort of in-game entertainment all during the first half. Now, this makes me think that something was wrong with the Jumbotron <laughs> or the PA system 100%. or something. But I remember watching this game. They announced it, and I thought it was really cool. I wasn't at this game live, but I watched it on TV live at the time, and I really liked it. You just got to hear the players more, and there was more of the squeaking of the shoes and yeah. the other sounds that happened, hearing the coach yelling, and there wasn't just... There's so much music that happens during a game. It was very jarring. Yeah. You don't realize how often they play, like, the blah, blah, defense, blah, blah, and then all the random songs and everybody clap your hands clap 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 and then for some reason they play the come on clap 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 and then for some reason they play how low can you go can you bring it down low charlie brown no one knows what to do they also just play the theme song from the Adams Family all the time. They do. <laughs> which makes no sense. Why has this become an NBA thing? The expectation is like the fans just can't focus on the basketball game. It's like they, they're uncomfortable with silence. I think that like the, the timeouts and the quarter changes are what makes me the most uncomfortable. I don't want to watch the Nick City kids like dance Wait, it out. Wait, how dare you? The Nick City kids are so fire. The kids themselves, I'm like, that kid is Their good. Their dances are so good. He's so good at doing the Fortnite dance and flipping. But it's like, I personally don't need to be entertained by dancers for me to enjoy my basketball game. I love it in between the corners. I think the only thing they should do is half-court shots for large sums of money. Oh, 100%. And Nick City kids, not even the Nick City dancers, the kids. So the players really didn't like this. Draymond Green was <laughs> mortally offended. Here's his quote, which is wild. That was pathetic. It was ridiculous. It changed the flow of the game. It changed everything. You get used to playing a certain way. It completely changed it. To me, I think it was completely disrespectful to everyone from Michael Levine, who is the senior vice president of entertainment and player marketing. <laughs> Draymond Green didn't say this. This is the article putting that in parentheses. To Rick Welts, Warriors president and COO. And all these people who've done these things to change the game from an entertainment perspective. It gives the game a great vibe. That's complete disrespect. You advance things in the world to make it better. You don't go back to what was bad. It's like... Computers can do anything for us. It's like going back <laughs> to paper. Why would you do that? So it was ridiculous. Technocrat. <laughs> Draymond Green really needs to hear the instrumental to Tell Me Where to Go by E40. 
because they play that at Warriors games all the time. Without that, he's just off the vibe. Yeah, man, I didn't have people telling me to be to play defense. I really like when the announcer reminds me that I'm playing defense. So no one was as strong as Draymond Green, but Steph Curry said that it was weird. It felt like I was back. <laughs> Draymond is just raging in the corner. Steph's like, yeah, that was kind of weird, right? <laughs> Steph Curry said it was weird. It was like back in middle school warm-up games where it's just you and the teammates and no music or entertainment whatsoever. It was definitely different. Steve Kerr also didn't like it, said it was really weird. You sort of take it for granted because every NBA game, you have all the stuff going on, music in the background. You don't think about it until it's not there. It felt like church. It was very quiet, <laughs> but it is Sunday after all. Maybe that's why they chose it. It was strange. I kind of liked it better in the second half. It felt more normal with the music. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Shout out to Steve. And then Draymond's just like, fuck this. If I wanted to play basketball in the 1800s, then I would. I would get in a time machine and I'll go back and play basketball where we didn't have electricity. The time that it was weird was in between the quarters. Here's what it sounded like when it was in between the quarters. So that's strange. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I'd fall asleep to that. All right. Well, I'm going to go to another silly one. Here's the time that Doug McDermott broke a camera with a dunk. Wow, Doug. Nice. All right, so this was a game in 2016. This is Bulls against the Hawks. There are two things that I love particularly about this play, but I want to play you the clip just so that you get to enjoy it. Right here, fly the friendly skies with Doug McDermott. And he rocked the camera right there. And then watch this hard foul. There you go. And then give him a little shove, too. <laughs> I like that, Doug. Get tough there, Dougie McBuckets. <laughs> Okay, so the Bulls announcer. <laughs> that's that's all I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that at the end. Bulls announcer is so good. His catchphrase, one of many, is if people do a really mean dunk, he will go, "Oh, stop it! I love it. Stop it! I love that. It's so good. I love him so much." And we're gonna come back to him. Uh, the two things that I like most about this dunk: one, it was an incredibly pedestrian dunk, very normal. Dunk. He just put it up there. It was also nice seeing Jimmy Butler in a Chicago Bulls uniform <laughs> before everything went bad for him. Yeah. What I liked about it is that they showed the camera from above the backboard, which is the ESPN camera. So what I liked it is when he dunked it and then everything kind of just like went out and it flickered and there was, it was pixelated. I was just like, Oh no, I'm no longer in the matrix. Why did you break my game? <laughs> Do a hard reset. Like immediately panic just flooded my brain. And I like the idea that someone in ESPN was just like, shit, they found us. <laughs> it was like, you have to put tape over your laptop camera. Mm -hmm. It's like the CIA was right, hacking, right. was hacking into yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. How did he break the camera? Like it's that delicate. I guess that's what you have when you have technological pieces that are so delicate and you're moving players and balls. What I would love to see is what players plays happened before this because this could be the basketball camera equivalent of oh i totally loosened that jar for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> so jimmy butler did a big windmill dunk and rocked the backboard a lot and it almost nearly got the the little wire out of the back of the camera and the straw that broke the camel's back is doug mcbuckets going the dunk <laughs> Bloop. Thank you. This transition to the, my third favorite thing that happened here is that his nickname is Dougie McBuckets because mm -hmm. he's Doug McDermott. Right. McBuckets is beautiful. Very good. And of course, the Chicago color commentator, when he did a hard foul later, which was part of the clip itself, said, Get out, Dougie McBuckets! His name is Stacy King, and he's a gem of a human. We should 
we're gonna have to do like regional color commentators. We should only talk about Clyde and Stacy King. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Doug McDermott is just like a slight white, like six, six footer. He doesn't like do anything other than shoot. So like hearing him like clanging and banging down there is pretty fun. He's six foot seven, I believe. He's tall, but he's not known for his thunderous dunks. Really? Oh, well, he's still a slight man. He's six foot eight. Yeah, you know. <laughs> And 225 pounds. Well, you know, Mike, I'm... He's a slight man. <laughs> Mike, here's the thing. I'm seven foot three, and I'm over 400 pounds. So everyone looks slight to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned someone that is seven foot three. I, I figured you would do this. You so got. You we go. can't do this segment without talking about Shaquille O'Neal. Because he wasn't just someone that broke a backboard once. <laughs> he wasn't just someone that shattered the glass. He's someone that literally changed the rules of basketball because of how strong he was. So as a rookie in the early 90s, 1993, with the magic, Shaq does a put-back dunk that doesn't just break the rim. He deflates the hydraulic system that holds up the backboard. <laughs> this is his rookie year. Oh, that's so scary. Because Shaq broke backboards before this. He had done it in college. Those were more of the traditional dunk. The rim detaches from the glass and broken glass goes everywhere. But this video, which is on the episode page of horsehoops.com, after he dunks, the backboard doesn't break, but it just slowly oh. descends and crumples. And it's more confusing than anything because it's just, what's going to happen? Is yeah. it going to go all the way down? Is it going to fall over? Is the backboard going to break after it reaches the bottom? I 100% thought it was going to fall over. Yeah. I was so, so, I was like, Shaq, get out of there. But it didn't end there. Later on in his rookie year against the New Jersey Nets, he broke it in the more traditional sense. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you think glass shattering is going to be the scariest thing that happens, but then see just the whole thing falling over. I'm surprised Shaq didn't end up just being like an action hero. Like he should have just been the rock. I'm waiting for the rock to come in and swoop in and save people in both of these clips. What's bonkers about this one, the backboard itself, the glass does not shatter still, but the rim comes detached from the system and the whole support system just topples. But what I really like is that the speaker shot clock combo on the top just swings back and forth. Uh, and the crowd just absolutely loses it because this was a home game. So the crowd is going absolutely nuts so this happened twice in the same season they had to do something <laughs> so rod thorne the chairman of the competition committee at the time said we had a new thing this year with backboards both coming down and being broken we're gonna make sure all the equipment is up to snuff thanks rod <laughs> we're gonna make sure that we can play basketball so <laughs> weird that that's what you needed someone to break it twice to make sure that your shit is fine but all right he went on to say, whether it was Shaquille O'Neal or someone else, with the size of these guys, <laughs> it was just a matter of time. Whether it was somebody else who broke the back, we're not going to say who. So they had to amend the rules to this. They had to add a comment to section 2.G in the official rulebook that said, quote, any player whose contact with the basket ring or backboard causes the backboard to shatter or makes the ring unplayable will be penalized with a non-unsportsmanlike conduct technical foul. Why are you giving Shaq a tech just because he's a big, strong boy? That's true. I, that's the thing here is like, how do you penalize someone for doing what you want him to do, which is come down hard with authority while 
dunking the ball. I guess that's what they had to do in the interim. Hey, we're going to work to make this. The, hey, we're going to work to make the support system stronger if for next season or later this year. In the meantime, Shaq. Hey, <laughs> you got to stop this. Stop. We're going to give you a technical foul. <laughs> but I would love to see if after this incident, more teams got second and third backup hoops <laughs> just in case. Very smart. So yeah, Shaq, he was big. He broke stuff and he caused a rule change and then a structural physical change of how support systems worked for backboards in the 90s. I love that. I love that these drafts are just three on three because I have so many more that I want to say. Oh, that's why you got to go to Patreon where we turn it into five on five. There's a really funny Kobe one that I want to talk about. Well, I'd like to say that I didn't get the chance to use the paper that I found from a sports injury law journal. Oh, put that on the five well, on five, that's in the baby. Patreon, baby. Good, 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 good. So speaking of Shaq, what a perfect transition. Ted Alexandro, the comedian we'll be talking with for the interview next, has a wonderful routine about Shaquille O'Neal in the older, later phases of his career, which we talked to him at length about. So we're going to play that joke and then go into the interview with Ted. She is in her very early 30s, and I am in my late 40s. They say a woman's sexual prime is her 30s, so she is in her sexual prime. And I am not. <laughs> I'm past my prime. Like, do you remember when Shaq played for the Celtics? That's me. He didn't look like himself anymore. He had a hard time getting up and down the court. Some nights he was really an embarrassment. And I bet there were nights where Shaq's teammates got very angry at Shaq and said, like, Shaq, do you even want to play with us? Do you have any passion for the game anymore? Do you care? And I'm sure Shaq was like, no, guys, it's not that at all. I love you. It's just that I'm a little older now. It takes me a little longer to warm up. Maybe if you could just fucking be a little patient. Shaq probably said to them. And I just think it was very unfair of Shaq's teammates to treat him like that. He, he was a legend. He had done a lot in the game. He deserved better. And then if you look back, Shaq had some really good games for the Celtics. Not every game, not every game, but on some nights he looked like the Shaq of old and I just wish his teammates could have appreciated that instead of harping on the nights that he had difficulty performing. So now we cut to a very special interview that we've done for the podcast here. In studio, live in front of our faces, is stand-up comedian local from NYC. It's Ted Alexandro. Ted, how's it going? Good, good. Thanks, guys, for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. It was fun finding you because our fellow podcaster, Paul Bay, you're his favorite comedian, and he made some sort of tweet like, hey, it's this new stand-up special. You should check this guy out. And then I watched it and watched more of your stuff, and I was like, this guy talks about basketball a lot. That's true. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to have to get him on horse. It catches our ear. We're just like, oh, you're talking about... 90s basketball players good yes <laughs> yes yes we're there sweet spot before we get into anything do you have a favorite team well i grew up in queens new york so i i was a hardcore and still am i guess it's fair to say a knicks fan okay i also share this struggle. i don't know if you can i tell. bear this burden yes <laughs> i don't know if you could tell because mike is wearing a knicks shirt jersey <laughs> at the right. moment like you dress for the sweet. job you want <laughs> i it's my fault i picked that up for him at a tj maxx so that one's really on me okay yeah <laughs> But you know, the beauty of being a Knicks fan was once the Nets were in New Jersey and they had, J for like the Jason Kidd years, mm -hmm. 
I was essentially a Nets fan. I would just like drive out there and watch those games because right. the Knicks have been irrelevant for decades. So yeah, it's good having the Nets uh, in the tri-state area. Yeah, are you going to be pulling for them now that they have seven Durant on their team? <laughs> <laughs> I'm only calling him that now. <laughs> you know, my fandom has morphed to the point where um, I'm almost like a little league coach where I just want everyone to have fun. Okay. And, you know, <laughs> that's how I feel about the NBA too. Like, So yeah, I'm rooting for the Nets too that everyone just has a good time. Yeah, do you have like particular players that you follow now or is it just kind of like you like watching basketball oh i follow yeah i follow all of them i mean i get really crazy into the draft i'm always excited about the unknowns of like Mm -hmm. who's this guy gonna be like that's more exciting to me than like the known quantities or even free agency i like free agency too like it's kind of specific to the nba where the complexion of an entire franchise can change with one or two players like you know like it did with the nets that part of just like the movement of it and how every season really is a new start because mm-hmm. there's so many players coming and going. I think my favorite part of the draft is figuring out whose parents are hot. Is <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, you, Tyler Harrow has like hot dad, well, yeah, hot, well, hot parents. Well, the thing is now, now they're like bringing the parents to the red carpet and I stuff, right? That. Yeah, so it's, it is you yeah. get a good look at them all. <laughs> the Knicks this year, when they drafted R.J. Barrett number three, they brought his dad up, and that's then right. They, and you're, who's this? sentimental heart oh my god like, i cried how do you feel about him he says i'm just so proud of him and then rj starts crying into his shoulder i was like more of this there. <laughs> well yeah and you know what's funny is like again growing up in queens new york and my dad is an alumni of st john's university nice which is where uh, rj barrett's dad played and like i was so hardcore into st john's at that time but i forgot that his dad was a college player uh, for St. John's, and I think it played with Steve Nash for the uh, Canadian team. Steve and all Nash this is stuff. R.J. Barrett's godfather. That's right. I'm really that's right. stoked. Is about that true? It. I yes. thought you were making a joke. No, hundred yeah. percent. He's actually his literal godfather. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's yeah. why so he'll all be good at basketball. Storylines. <laughs> yes, yes. Seeing the parents now, I think it is. It is like another kind of element that just makes it more. I don't know. It, in a way, it's like the softening of sports, but I think in a good way that you see the families and they're not just like these products although they obviously still are i guess maybe they're marketing more of the humanity yeah i think that's a big thing that's improving with basketball of late especially with some of the mental health issues that demar Derozan and kevin mm-hmm. love have talked about is we're realizing more and more that these people are humans yeah. and not just our like entertainment just to watch and just work out and play sports and don't do anything else right. uh, i think it's nice that we're getting a little more as a lot of people call it the player empowerment era which i think is good because they're the product so right. i don't know why some people are grumpy like oh man the owners aren't in charge who cares the basketball players are the ones doing stuff so it's nice to realize they're humans they have families they have feelings when we just talked to you you said that uh, you and your wife were expecting so congratulations thank you thank you best reschedule excuse for an interview ever (laughs) hey sorry i can't make it my wife is about to give birth to a human okay fine i guess you can come in next week are you doing like the dad envisioning that your kid is going to be an amazing athlete and or something that you get to go to like a ceremony you're like oh man this is exactly what i'm gonna wear at their hall of fame ceremony <laughs> well you know it's funny my wife uh is a good athlete and played high school basketball mm-hmm. and uh field hockey lacrosse and i played high school basketball for a couple of years so like i wouldn't be surprised if our child likes sports but one of my Letterman sets, I did a joke about, uh, and at this point it was hypothetical because I was not uh, in a relationship, but I said, if I ever have a kid, I'm kind of resigned to the fact that I'm going to be an old dad. 
you know, like the dad who at the little league game, like the young dads are all intense and fighting each other and repositioning <laughs> Wearing the kids. an adult size of their kids' jersey. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And I'm going to be like, my kid will be in right field picking dandelions saying, I, I made a wish, daddy. You know? I'll be like, I hope it comes true. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at. I'm 50 yeah. years old. Uh, my wife is considerably younger. She's 33. I feel at this stage of, of my life, uh, like I look at sports as just like <laughs> we're all just enjoying this space and time together, you know? <laughs> so if I help my kid with sports, you know, unless that weird competitive thing kicks in, I don't oh, think it will. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's just going to be about the experience, you know. Right. As someone that used to be a baseball umpire, you sound like oh. the ideal case. I wish everyone would I be did you. Too. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. I, I umped when I was oh, in, yeah. uh, in, I guess, high school. I did some okay. umpiring. Same yeah. thing. Did you ever have to throw anybody out? I did. <gasps> you did. Yeah. I'm so jealous. It was like a dad from the neighborhood that I had oh, to talk. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know. What, what did he do that made you have to toss him? He was insane. He was one of those guys, and he was like kind of before this era of. I think it's gotten worse, and you know, because now with like video and stuff they're, they're putting them online this guy was kind of at the forefront of just the abusive father mm. like raging i don't know if he i don't think he cursed but he was like very like dude i'm, I'm making ten dollars to umpire this game right you know uh just to kind of approximate balls and strikes more or less <laughs> uh but you know we're just gonna be here for a couple hours and i think i gave him a couple of warnings uh which even that felt weird like you know i was 17 or 18 years old warning this 40 year old man that his behavior is inappropriate yeah. <laughs> it's hard yeah and then i tossed him you know and it was yeah did you have a good motion with it did you say you're out did you say get out of here i think i said you're out yeah i just i gave him the, the thumb the heave ho uh, i came close to throwing out a couple of people but every time i said anything else out of you coach and you're gone they all listen to me which is mm. annoying i wanted them to keep, i wanted to toss someone you know yeah. you have to say you need to say see what happens uh. because then they'll want to see what happens <laughs> i now want to see i just put this inserted myself into this fantasy and now i want to see what happens so you kind of provoke them you exactly say like just try me kind yeah. of thing? It's like sir why do you see what happens <laughs> I'm going to Dartmouth in the fall. See what happens. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so on a broader scale, one thing we really wanted to talk to you about is just trying to toe the line between telling basketball jokes, because a lot of the jokes that you tell in your different sets are basketball related, but trying to find a way to be niche but not too niche. We yeah. played the Shaq clip at the beginning of the episode here. And that's something we deal with here with horses. We're trying to appeal to everybody so that there's no barrier to entry, welcoming people in. When you're writing jokes and stuff, how does it go for you trying to figure out, I want to be this specific, but not too specific where people don't know what I'm talking about. How does right. that go for you? Right. Yeah, well, it's interesting because being such a big sports fan, like it does kind of sometimes filter the way I think about the world. Just if I'm looking for an analogy and a joke, like the Shaq joke, for instance, I was talking about getting older, feeling my body kind of betray me in a lot of ways. And then I just thought of Shaq on the Celtics. It just like I, I was looking for that comparison. And I, I thought of, you know, athletes in the later phases of their career. And also that weird feeling for sports fans of seeing a legend uh, in particular who primarily is associated with one franchise, although with Shaq, it was probably a couple. Mm -hmm. uh, but seeing him in that jersey that's really jarring, you know, mm -hmm. and they're also past their physical prime. So for me, yeah, like it's fun to kind of plug in those sports references into the joke. And in this case, I'm also, it's self-deprecating because I'm talking about my own kind of physical, specifically sexual limitations of erectile dysfunction. It's like a elongated erectile dysfunction joke. Mm -hmm. What I thought was interesting about that particular joke was that 
you didn't reference Shaq as the entity, which you totally could have because uh, a lot of the people who you talk about in your comedy, there was another clip about Zion Williamson, which we'll definitely get to. Uh, <laughs> but it's like you can talk about Shaq, LeBron, Michael Jordan, Kobe in these ways because they have larger celebrity and especially Shaq himself because we see him on television on a regular basis. Yes. So you were only using him as a comparison point. Did you feel like it was important not to talk about him as the person and to talk about like barbecue chicken and dunking and rapping, but instead he's just this old man? Yeah, no, I think that's important too, that he's still relevant because that kind of, uh, again, grounds the joke for people that maybe they know Shaq as the guy now who's doing commercials for the, the general's <laughs> insurance company or whatever the hell that is. Oh, so <laughs> yep. I, we've talked about all the ways that Shaq has made money. He's yeah. like, he's, he's shilled for the general, the like carnival cruises. He's just a sheriff now in <laughs> various ways. Right. Law enforcement. I see how. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. So, uh, it does help that he has a post-career mm -hmm. presence, you know, um, and I think that was probably why I picked him because, like, when I was writing the joke, I think I kind of threw around like maybe a couple of, maybe even like Patrick Ewing on, on the Sonics came yeah. to my mind. There's that cursed image of uh, it's Patrick Ewing on the Magic, I think, backing yes. down Hakeem Olajuwon on the Raptors. Oh it's yeah, this terrible <laughs> cursed image both in their last year of their careers. Oh yeah. no, yeah, yeah. So you know, you, you think of those different things, but I just ultimately I felt like, uh, and I think like as I started to do the joke more and more. Uh, Shaq on the Celtics really resonated mm -hmm. and you know uh, I would have like you know women come up to me after the show who maybe had a limited knowledge of sports or even guys who weren't big sports fans and just say like oh I love that Shaq joke because I'm going through the same thing or you know, I'm not a big sports fan or whatever so you know I guess in, in any um, art form like when you find something specific or personal and then it resonates with people um, that they're going through the same thing, even if there's parts of it that aren't, you know, that they don't necessarily understand, like, you know, mm -hmm. like the Shaq thing, if they don't remember Shaq on the Celtics, right. but mm -hmm. they still like the joke. So that that's what I love about that joke is it kind of took on a life of its own. I think something you do in two other of your basketball jokes, you also not only just using it as a leverage point for more people to understand, but use it as a point to talk about bigger issues. Two of your basketball jokes are basically about white privilege. You have the joke about how dudes from the 1950s playing like are garbage compared to what people are now and then also your zion williamson joke <laughs> saying that it's the opposite of police brutality there's this kid who's the projected number one pick in the nba draft his name is zion williamson yes some of you are so excited that you, you yell it out <laughs> zion williamson is an amazing athlete so i watch clips of him on youtube but i don't watch his clips at duke i watch his clips from high school because it's fascinating. He was the same exact size, and he just destroys these little white kids. It's the most hilarious thing to watch. If you ever need a palate cleanse from police brutality videos, watch Zion Williamson playing high school basketball. Oh, it is like a White Lives Don't Matter video. It is just wonderful. Like the scales of justice tipping back <laughs> one dunk at a time. 
I think a bigger picture on your comedy specials, you're not afraid to talk about those bigger issues like white privilege and stuff like that as a, for everyone listening, Ted's a white dude, <laughs> uh, as are me and Eric. So it's stuff we got to do too. So is that something you have to process in as well? Is just like trying to talk about it in a bigger picture way that's still funny, but also addresses what's going on? I don't feel as though I have to do anything. That's the thing about comedy is like, mm -hmm. you know, it's not incumbent upon me to address larger macro societal issues but like i said earlier the, the things that are on my mind tend to find their way into my comedy mm -hmm. i had been involved with uh black lives matter with occupy wall street so being in activist circles and and being around a community that uh, really engages with things that are going on in the world probably it's, it's fair to say more so than like my comedy friends do mm -hmm. That's been very kind of uh, edifying for me and has found its way into my comedy. And that's another challenge, though, because, again, I don't want it to be just preaching to activists or mm -hmm. to try to get an applause break or whatever. So with the Zion joke, you know, that was something that as I was watching his high school clips and he's dominating <laughs> these like little kind of uh, scrawny white kids, it was like, it's funny just to watch on its own as almost mm -hmm. like a silent video. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to play yakety sax under that. You Hold know? on, it's got to go on iMovie real quick. Yeah. All right, well, now we're back. Title card, <laughs> slam dunk. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, you know, as a comedian, like you kind of become attuned to things that you have a visceral response to. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it almost triggers a thing in your mind of like, okay, how do I talk about this? What am I feeling? So with that, you know, the line, white lives don't matter, came into my mind as I was writing and reflecting on it. But again, like it is a delicate thing because, you know, uh, you're talking about police brutality. You're talking about, in a lot of cases, murder. Uh, such complex societal issues that you don't want to make light of. I never want it to seem as though like I'm just trading in what's the easiest way for me to get a laugh. That's the dire truth is that at the root of what I'm talking about is, you know, you know, American history. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Years yeah. and years of the ingrained injustices. Mm -hmm. My hope whenever I do a joke is that people can get a sense of where I'm coming from, what I'm intending, where my heart is. I think that also comes through, and I would love to ask about the layering of this. So it's what we always say here on Horses, that like we start out by introducing the thing, but then there are always layers that we're always going to go deeper as it gets more and more ridiculous. <laughs> and then that Zion joke... What I was waiting for is like, I don't watch the Duke videos. And it's like, yeah, because Duke sucks. But then you just totally blow by that. And I appreciate it. It's like the, the layer below that is like, there's a lot of problems with Duke University as a whole. Are you um, intentional about maybe the sports layers or is that something that just happens naturally in your brain? It's almost like uh, when you're on a trip, you could take any exit, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it depends on where your destination is, you know? So like my destination was not to like, I could get into Duke and <laughs> all of that stuff. I mean, right. they're, they're kind of a natural target, too, as almost like the Yankees in baseball, like that, the evil empire, right. like, exactly. you know, the dominant um, entity. Certain things for, for a comedian, uh, like, slow you down. It's like a detour right. if, if I were to get into that. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe there was stuff. But for me, like, just the tempo of where that was going, that, that was where I wanted to head. For sure. Thinking of being a high school student playing against Zion is so bonkers. Can you imagine getting like windmill dunked on and then you got to go home and do your like AP US history assignment? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just got murdered by Zion Williamson today. <laughs> King Arthur. <laughs> this critical lens is going to be about how I got dunked on. 
just like Jay Gatsby got dunked on by society. Yeah. And it's so specific, too, because it's such a physical dominance. Oh, yeah. As opposed to, like, I, I played uh, against Kenny Anderson years ago. Oh, wow. wow. Who went on to the NBA. But he was more just quickness and just, like, his ball handling was sick. And he was eons beyond me and everyone on, you know, that we played with. But like, yeah, the physical dominance of Zion, he had an NBA body in, in high school, really. Yeah. I think, yeah, just makes those clips even funnier. Yeah, he's six foot six. He can dunk from the free throw line at age 17. <laughs> just yeah. like I did. As, this is a podcast. You can't see me. I definitely, I'm six six and I dunk all I the time. I just can't even fathom, like, I never played a sport against anyone that ridiculous. I don't know. It's just bonkers to me. And it's funny to hear the joke and think about it because you just kind of put yourself in those shoes for a second of like oh yeah i played high school basketball yeah. what if someone just bodied me some six fi- <laughs> six six dude that's 250 yeah just like bulldozer truck me and then i gotta you know take the bus home <laughs> you know what's funny too is like with these guys kind of coming into our consciousness earlier and earlier you know like you know about them when they're not even like seniors in high school sometimes yeah. freshmen or even eighth grade it's funny because you start to hear the naysayers saying like Oh, well, you know, I don't think his game's going to translate to college. (laughs) And then he dominates college. Well, you know, I don't see it really translating to the pros. And then he's like, you know, like you saw him. In preseason, he's shooting 84%, (laughs) which is pretty good. (laughs) Just I saw a clip of him against Rudy Gobert, who's Mm -hmm. largely considered probably the, the best defensive center in the nba and zion williamson went around him like he was not even there mm-hmm. you know so yeah i think his game's going to translate <laughs> yeah it, it always reminds me of when you have the announcers on the olympics which always bugged me when simone biles does 1200 backflips and then lands five degree angle to the left and then these announcers ooh, oh gonna get points deducted on that one. it's like you go out and do it bob costas like come <laughs> yes, on yes. So same thing when you have these pundits like oh i don't know i don't know if zion's game's going to translate the dude is enormous and a beast and he's also 19 let's get Give him a shot. What well, <laughs> lovely. He's a lovely boy. <laughs> and another thing that, that pops into my mind constantly as I'm watching is, again, like the race thing of like the filter of these uh, primarily black athletes, mm-hmm. at least in the NBA, in the NFL. You know, I guess Simone Biles would be a, a kind of an aberration because she's one of the few black athletes in that sport. Right. But it, it's largely white commentators filtering yeah. your mm-hmm. perception of these people, this sport, to the masses. It's kind of fascinating to me. Like that, that's almost an element that is not talked about enough. That it's a culture, uh, like the athletes are first of all sports culture, but certainly black culture. But it's being filtered through a lot of times these kind of corporate middle-aged white guys' Mm -hmm. perspective. And you can debate the merits of it and you can debate why it's done. It almost does a disservice to the stories of these athletes and and the way that they even talk about themselves and market themselves is very kind of – careful i think it's it's evolving um as as athletes you know kind of maybe take more ownership of their own stories their own brand Brand. for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. and also like you know Derek jeter came out with was it the players tribune yeah Yeah. so like they're i think they're taking control of some of the channels of distribution right but I'm, i'm very mindful of that element of uh races like ever present you know so it's it's interesting to to notice yeah i definitely see that in the nfl a lot it's like hey Chris Collinsworth, I don't really care what you have to say about 
this guy because you played you were a, f- a okay quarterback before but in in the nba i think that's definitely filtered through the play-by-play man and then from because we always pull from former athletes a lot of the color commentators are black like right. Ray, uh, reggie miller and chris weber but right. i think that a very specific example of this where it is dangerous is that mark jackson is out there like making judgments about people and like we've been proven that mark jackson is like not a nice person <laughs> extremely kind of extremely homophobic hurt steph curry's career in so many different ways and like he's out there how many ga- how many games a week making judgments about these people yeah, no, it's I think it's important to to be aware of the filter cuz sometimes it's almost just background noise, right? Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. It's just the voice that's you just re, you want to watch the game, but it's like the people that hand are, down man down. <laughs> I don't care, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully that'll evolve too, you know. Yeah. And it's even like the little innocuous things. I remember they always do this for the NBA draft is they do the player comparisons of mm-hmm. who these mm-hmm. young people could look like or who they will <laughs> play similar to when they get into the NBA. And I think a couple years ago, I saw a thread on Reddit where they just did a percentage of if the dude was white, the players he was compared to were always white always or white. European guys. Yeah, and if yeah. the guy was black, they always compared it to black people. Yes. And if you were to actually look at the statistics, he's a black kid, but he's really good at shooting. He's actually more like J.J. Redick. But because J.J. Redick is white, we're not going to make the J.J. Redick comparison. Yeah. We'll say Ray Allen because yes. Ray Allen was also good at shooting threes, but he was black. So that's OK. For sure. You know what's and some of it is just human behavior, I guess, you know, like we tend to group things, I guess, uh, in ways like that. But it does kind of betray a lack of imagination or, or mm-hmm. even a lack of looking at the statistics and the numbers. <laughs> right. It made me think when you said that. I just watched a video the other day of uh, Andrew Yang, who's running for president, right. who, yeah. who I'm, you know, I'm trying Ted to. Ted is coming out as Yang Gang. <laughs> yeah. Here on horse. <laughs> right. I'm sure Andrew Yang's still going to be running when this episode comes out. I'll take the $1,000. But... <laughs> <laughs> But the reason I bring it up is I saw this um, promotional video where he was shooting hoops with this guy and the guy was like, I guess it was a basketball related thing. And he's like, so who would you compare your candidacy to of an athlete? And and I'm thinking, my head, here it comes. Jeremy and he says, Jeremy Lin. Lin. Oh. Yes. He says, Jeremy. And Yang said that. It wasn't even the guy. You know, it was right. Yang compared. Um, and that's true. It's going to go really well in New York for like two months and then just fizzle out. And everyone's going to be like, oh, remember when that happened? That's that right. was good job, Andrew Yang. I mean, we've done stuff about Jeremy Lin on the podcast before, but a lot of coaches afterwards have come out and just been straight up. People ask, why didn't this guy go drafted? Why was he on the bottom of the roster so many times? And a lot of people admitted, it's because the dude's Asian. We yes. just look at him and think, nah, yeah, that guy, that guy can't, right. he can't be good. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we'll come to a point where that's not an issue anymore. But yep. I do enjoy with player empowerment, we're getting more and more of players getting involved afterwards post-career. So players becoming coaches or players becoming media heads. It's not like who, I don't know who Chris Collinsworth is, but it sounds like he might have this job just because he's white and played football. <laughs> yep. So, no, okay. that's 100% correct. <laughs> so, and I think I'm, Republican too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even, if, even if he's not, he is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For so sure. I do appreciate that the NBA seems like they're not doing that. And if someone was good at the game and can speak about the game, intelligently from experience that's good even if you have someone like Kendrick Perkins who I was just gonna say Kendrick Perkins doesn't necessarily sound like some people say oh he's not very well spoken because he you know speaks in slang or whatever but he still knows what he's talking about and I love every time he's on the jump or ESPN where they're still putting him on the dude still knows the game and he played for over 10 years and had a good career and yeah kind of gives to see it and you can tell that he means whatever he's saying it's like a Mm -hmm. no-nonsense shoot from the hip you know, which is what you want in a former player to give you insights that you're not going to get 
from like the guy. Max Kellerman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> a man who loved boxing so much that he wanted Stephen A. Smith to punch him in the mouth every day. <laughs> you know what's fascinating and what dawned on me even when the Zion joke that I did went went viral is the power of these athletes to give like careers to some people like Max Kellerman or, you know, like it's it's largely the black athlete who who creates a career for you know, Skip Bayless. Yeah, all the, mm-hmm. Skip Bayless, perfect example. And you know, for me, like I can benefit from writing a joke about this kid who's so so immensely talented that I can use him as like like you said a pivot point for making a comedic point. That's how uh, influential they are. Yeah. Uh, in, yeah. On our society and the zeitgeist that like a joke that I do about this young man blows up. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's because of him. I mean, like I I you know. I wrote the joke and whatever, but it's really because of him and because uh, the website Ball is Life did the, oh, did a mashup nice. and they put the video side by side with my with my joke. Oh, you're joking him just yanking on kids. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, so, did they yeah. use the yakety sax at it? <laughs> they did not. Okay, I need to go get. We'll make one and then we'll put it on a VHS tape and mail it to <laughs> ballislife.com. It's I like think. please attribute my VHS tape. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Ted. Pleasure, guys. Uh, yeah, it, I know you. Just have a stand-up special. I don't know if you want to tell people if they're going to find your jokes where to go. You also have a yes. podcast as well. I do. I have a podcast called A Little Bit Me that people can find wherever you listen to podcasts. TedAlexandro.com has all of my tour dates. I go on the road with Jim Gaffigan a lot. Cool. Uh, I'm at the Comedy Cellar in New York a whole bunch. And my special is on YouTube. It's called Senior Class of Earth. And it's zero dollars. And it's right. very good. Thank I would you. highly recommend. Oh, free 99? Nice. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I watched it while I was moving into my new apartment and assembling furniture. Ah. And it made me not hate Ikea as much because <laughs> I was laughing. Oh, vague drawing. <laughs> oh, oh, Alan Wrench, you're so funny. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for coming on the show, man. Oh, this pleasure. Fun. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Eric Silver and Mike Schubert. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. Social media is run by Mike Schubert. The art is by Allison Wakeman. The music is by Bettina Campamanes. And the website is by Kelly Beckman. Special thanks to our producer-level patrons, Bran Wingate, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, Akano, Cody Powell, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Samantha Rose, Polly Burge. I worked with Eric's dad. Shuby Dooby Doo. I am Adam Silver. That's my dad. Bilal Johnson, Caroline Kyle, and Godzilla got busy. Mike, do you know where you can go to find more places where Zion just, like, ruins very small high schoolers? Vimeo? Yeah, Vimeo. That's, that's <laughs> where you can go. Just on the internet, which is also where you can find us on social media. Uh, right. You can find us on the internet at Horse... <laughs> Fucking Vimeo. <laughs> you can find us on the internet. It's an artistic slow-mo. It's an artistic grayscale video at 60 FPS. <laughs> You can find it's, us. It's in the widescreen with the black bars. You can find us on the internet. And the horses is playing in the background. Mike, let me do the credits. You can find us on the internet at Horse Hoops on Instagram and Facebook. And you can find us at Horse underscore Hoops on Twitter. Because as we say every episode, I'm going to take this one. It's because we tried to do too much stuff on Vimeo on Horse Hoops. And we tried to make it too artistic. So they banned us. They banned that. So that's why we have to do a different Twitter account. You can also find us on our website, horsehoops.com, which is all of our research and the visual stuff you didn't see because this is a podcast. And if you want bonus content such as the 5 on 5 we mentioned or new content, we uploaded a live stream of me playing 2K with the Vancouver Groove. We also did an overtime where we asked patrons, what questions do you have about basketball? It could be as simple as, hey, hey, what's a steal? (laughs) Smart, that's a great question. (laughs) So we covered that if you want to check that out and we do overtime with every episode where we just shoot the poop about basketball. 
and go over to patreon.com slash horsehoops. We also have stickers and jerseys, which we're finally putting together. If you already are a patron checker inbox, I sent you a message asking for your size. Hey, Mike, you know where you can go if you broke something in a podcast studio like the microphone or the backboard? And you, you know who might be able to fix that for you? You could call up Rod Thorne, Rod chair Thorne. of the competition committee. Or you can call up Brandon Google, who fixes all of those for me. Or you can call up because it's Multitude. Multitude. Hi, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. Multitude is an audio collective of awesome people who make awesome podcasts about things we love, but that does not mean we can't be critical about it. That is Spirits, that is Join the Party, that is Potterless, that is Waystation, that is Head, Heart, Gut, which is part of the multi-crew, and that is Us Horse. You can find us on the internet at Multitude.Productions. You can find our new horse merch at Multitude.Productions slash merch, and you can buy tickets for our live show on November 21st and multitude.production slash live. It's going to be fun, but as we wrap up every episode, we got to put our hands in the middle and on the count of three say something. And I think it's only fitting to channel Draymond Green and ask, what is this paper? On the count of three. One, One two, two, three. What, what is this paper? paper? What? Is, am I playing basketball with a lithograph here? What did you send me a telegram? What's what is the, happening here? Is my starting point guard Sal, uh, I was going to say Salvatore Testa. Honestly, the way the Warriors roster looks right now, Sal might get the call. He does live in San Francisco. Yes, that's true. But Sal didn't invent electricity, so that's not who I was talking about. No, that was... Tesla. Nikola Tesla. No, I was Thomas to say. Edison. He definitely didn't steal the ideas. Exactly. He came up with them all on his own. That's true. And Draymond Green definitely believes in that because it's the 21st century. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.